The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager, only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company, Regina's only downtown brewery. Well, it's not the uh, typical opening we're going to have here on the Three Down Greencast with uh, myself, Joel Gaston, and John Fraser as um, a little bit of a tragedy struck the football world in Saskatchewan today. And uh, I'm going to pass this over to John to do uh, this segment justice as he knows a lot more about this individual than I do. Yeah, um, Saturday night, late Saturday night, uh, Justin Filto, a former member of both the Saskatoon Hilltops and Saskatchewan Huskies, uh, uh, died in a plane crash just outside of uh, Medicine Hat. And uh, if you follow us, you probably follow one of the same people. You're probably seeing the outpouring of support for, for this young man, uh, for Justin. I got to deal with him directly in my years of calling football for the Hilltops uh, and moving on to the Huskies. I mean, his career kind of run concurrent to mine, his football career, and, you know, just an absolute tremendous human being, an excellent guy, great player. He was always undersized. I mean, the guy was smaller than I ever was and played with so much heart. He was a starting linebacker on a U sports team guy, won four national championships with the Huskies. And I mean, all around great guy. I mean, I, I'm, I'm deeply saddened. I, 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 I knew Justin well. Uh, he was coaching. He was going to be coaching my son, Max, uh, and Tykes on Spikes. He was coaching the Saskatoon Valkyries and a guy that uh, in the football community here in Saskatchewan is going to be very sorely missed. I mean, I think I said it on Twitter. The guy was the definition of a beauty and just he's it's going to be missed. It's just it's tragic and a life taken far too soon. Yeah, just uh, a really awful scenario. And of course, uh, our thoughts are with uh, his friends and family during this very difficult time. So we just wanted to make sure uh, we had a little bit of time to talk about that. And uh, there's obviously no easy way ever to transition out of this. So we're just going to have to take the hard turn now and uh, be our normal selves from here on out and try and uh, dissect. We're We're going to just dissect what that was. Over the weekend with the uh, Riders yeah. preseason opener in Calgary and what happened and mostly what didn't happen. 
Um, but it, it is an interesting. It was an interesting preseason game overall for me, and we'll get into it in a bit. Where I, we did get the one answer really we needed out of that preseason game, which is oddly enough, in a thirty-seven to one shellacking, that you you know you got the only answer really we've been looking for. Uh, we're yeah. going to talk a little bit about that. We'll uh, look ahead to what we want to see in the next preseason game and kind of the expectations there. Should the Riders take a run at Noah Picton? I think we all know the answer, but uh, he's on the free market as well. And then uh, just a few little odds and ends to end the show before we get to all that, though, as usual. John, what's in the glass this week? Well, this week, knowing we'd be recording tonight, I went up to uh, the old Sobeys liquor store that actually can fill a growler without taking half an hour. Um, So went up there, and I'm trying the high-key New England Friendship IPA. Now, they call us the Friendship IPA Mm -hmm. because it's made in uh, conjunction with multinational. Yes. Out of Regina. So, you know, unlike Saskatoon and Regina hating each other, um, they got together. They made themselves a, a nice thing. It's very uh, hazy, mm-hmm. um, a bit more on the IPA taste. I mean, there's definitely a little bit more bitter finish than uh, that smooth citrusy taste uh, than the one I tried last week. But I can tell you, it's it's very tasty. Again, I keep looking for a, uh, a clone of... Uh, pile of bones white ipa that it that is my favorite summer beer to go to and it's just nobody's got it on kegs here to fill my growler so again no it's up there again good summer beer if you like something with a little bit of that ipa taste at the end you like that hazy kind of unfiltered taste uh this one's for you and hey anything that can partner between saskatoon and regina and stop you know all all the fighting and the hatred between the two cities is is good by me (laughs) Yeah, every so often uh, the breweries do have a collaboration. I know uh, Pile of Bones had one with 21st Street up there where they made a double IPA that was bottled. Mm-hmm. That was uh, quite delicious. Uh, for me, I am going with the official beer of John Fraser, the Pile of Bones White IPA, <laughs> as uh, they've, there's finally been a restock on cans there at the old brewery down there on 1945 Scarth Street. And I can say as well that a small batch of tall cans have been produced. To uh, make their way to Mosaic Stadium this weekend. So, uh, oh, very nice. Yeah, so uh, I, I don't know all the details yet, but I believe they're kind of going with the same sort of system they did last year for the craft beer. So it's good to see that uh, local craft beer will once again be sold at Mosaic Stadium this season, which we know is a huge success last year. Hopefully they're ordering a little bit more so it's not sold out by halftime and uh, fans can continue to enjoy good beer heading into the second half. Yes. Speaking of going into the second half, uh, one guy who didn't last week and uh, maybe could have was Cody Fajardo. As uh, the, I think one of the biggest questions heading to that game was what we saw or heard or read about in the green and white game in Saskatoon a couple weeks ago was can Cody Fajardo follow up what looked like a fairly impressive performance against the Calgary Stampeders when the lights came on? Yeah. And I think it's safe to say... The answer was yes. Now, yeah, okay, there was no really memorable plays. There was nothing to, you know, nothing that really brought you out of seat. There was nothing that le- made you lead, led you to believe that Cody Fajardo was going to take over a game and lead this team to a lot of victories. But he looked like a guy who's capable of being a pretty good backup for this team if and when Zach Claros misses a series or the rest of a game or a whole game, whatever the case may be. It's not, oh boy, here we go. It's To me, it looks like, okay, this is a guy who looks like he may be able to competently run this offense because he put up some pretty decent numbers. He threw a pretty good ball. He looked comfortable in the pocket. Oh, yeah, and he was doing this with the backup receivers and the backup offensive line. 
So yeah, I which think, is very impressive. So that really stands out as okay when this guy has the you know, the talent, for lack of a better term, on offense with him. You would think that this year that uh, offensive coordinator Stephen McAdoo would have a little more confidence if he continues to play this. If we see again this week that he continues to play like this, then you would hope that the playbook wouldn't change so much like it clearly did last year when Brandon Bridge was in the game. Yeah, no, most certainly, you know, rather than just running, it seemed like about the same four plays over and over again whenever you're going to miss. And I I think by this point in his career, it's an inevitability that you're going to miss Zach Caleros for some stretch of time. No matter what quarterback in football now, north or south of the border, your starting quarterback's going to miss at least half a game or something at some point. That's just the nature of the game now. So I wasn't trying to necessarily say that Zach's injury prone, even though he is. Even if you have the most durable quarterback in the world as your starting quarterback at this point in the world of football, you're going to need your backup to do something for you at some point over the course of an 18-game season. No, and you're and you're absolutely right. And Cody Fajardo, so far, again, green and white game, and now in the first preseason game, as you mentioned, with with the, not, not a ton of established CFL talent around him looking again like he is going to fit in and be in the backup spot. And it was nice to see. It was almost a... A bit of a fresh, of fresh air to mm-hmm. see Craig Dickinson basically come out and say what everybody could watch and see that, yeah, he had himself a great preseason game. And, yeah, he, has, he hasn't anointed him the backup quarterback. He all but did that in some of his comments today, saying mm-hmm. that, oh, yeah, he's jumped way ahead of the other two guys and things like that. So, but, uh, I, yeah. we, I, I, I mean, you might as well. I mean, you don't want to anoint the guy because – you know, training camp is painfully long and you still have a long ways to go here. But I, I think if you read between the lines, the coach comes out and praises him in front of the media. He's played a great simulated game, a great preseason game. And now I think it's going to be on what I I think it is going to be on good around here. As it comes to this this training camp, because he's been the guy that everybody's been looking at. Oh, is he going to step up? They've developed him. They need to develop a quarterback. And then you just sign, you know, a backup cast off that didn't have, you know, a ton of playing time in his previous stops. But I like Cody Fajardo. I, I think the riders can early indications are uh, they'll be okay with him running the offense here. But uh, very vanilla look on offense, which. Uh, and that was one thing I saw too, Joel, was a lot of people complaining how vanilla the look was. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the preseason for you. It is. You're playing a you're playing a divisional rival. It's sometimes just a matter of keep it simple, stupid. You don't want to show too much. You don't want to you know complicate things with, especially with the um, the riders largely playing guys that are two and three in the depth chart for most of the night. I think it was a good idea. Let's keep it simple. We'll evaluate. We'll take a look at some things, and we'll go from there. So people that are overreacting on a oh oh no, it's going to be another year of play calling from Stephen McAdoo, and this is terrible, and oh my goodness, just relax. It's preseason game one with virtually all the backups playing in all the spots. I agree with you, but I also disagree with you at the same time, um, because I, I agree. Like I think there's. Certainly, playbooks on both sides of the ball for every team in preseason are always going to be fairly vanilla. Yeah. Um, there's the, always the odd exception. But ultimately, yeah, then that's the easiest way to develop if to evaluate new talent, 
especially guys that haven't been professionals before, is to make it as simple as possible for them and not overcomplicate it. Because if you overcomplicate it, you could screw them all up and you don't know what the hell you have. So right. it's like because if if players can figure out the basics, then you can build on it from there. So I get it from that angle. I get it from the fact that you have the backups. I get it from the football paranoia side of things. I, I get all of that. But at the same time, there was still a lot of stuff that we saw there that was what we saw out of Stephen McAdoo last year mm-hmm. with the talent in the lineup. So how much is that going to change? And that's really what will be interesting to watch this preseason game because we're going to assume that Zach Caleros, barring an injury in practice this week, is going to get some time. Yes. And so should the starting offensive line and William Powell and Naaman Roosevelt and Katie Cannon and Kyron Moore and all the, you know, Shaq Evans, all these guys. So it should be the starters out there for probably at least a quarter. Will it change that dramatically? Probably not. I'm not expecting them to open everything up because, again, it is still a preseason game and for all the other reasons we talked about. Yes. But there should be, I would expect, some kind of sign of life because it still felt in a lot of ways like what was going on before. And, you know, I understand why there's certainly like, oh boy, is, are we going to see a lot? Because there was a lot of the same sort of design. It was the hitch screens, I think, the five yards behind the line of scrimmage <laughs> stuff that I think was particularly yes. driving people crazy, which I understand. You know, the, yeah. you know, the three and four yard passes down, you know, that's fine. I don't think there's any concerns there. And that's where, you know, maybe we hold the phone a little bit on Cody Fajardo because he looked good on some pretty easy plays, but he completed them. And he can only complete what's being asked of him. And if that's how they're going to run it, then it works for them. And mm-hmm. I wrote about that in my piece on three donation on my thoughts after the game, where mm-hmm. if this is going to be their offensive philosophy again, which uh, every indication is that it's going to be, because that's how it's always been with Stephen McAdoo. You, you really do walk a fine line, especially in the CFL where you try to play that, you know, methodical ball control kind of game where, it, you know, if when it works, it works spectacularly. And even we saw that a few times last year where you just truly limit how much opportunity your opponent gets or it just fails miserably. There's really no kind of gray zone where you can get away with it if you're slinging the ball all over the place because you're going to fluke your way to some touchdowns. This is, okay, we've had the ball for most of the game, but we haven't scored, so we still lost. No, and, and, no, and, and, and you are absolutely right. I mean, and, and you did see that a handful of times. I mean... I, I think you could count on the number of times the riders would make it all the way down the field. I remember the game I was at. I was at the win at New Mosaic against Calgary, thinking to myself, and I believe texting you at one point while I'm sitting there with my family going, uh, yeah, they're not going to win this one with field goals, that's for sure, because that's seemingly what they do do. Um, I, I do think with with a new head coach and, and I, I, Stephen McAdoo seen the tape from last year I mean you'd have to think he's got to be adding some new wrinkles to stretch things out especially when you added William Powell I, I, I think you have now that you have a, a high caliber running back back there behind a veteran offensive line that's going to be able to create some push I do see you, you know you, you're almost going to have to throw the ball deep every once in a while just to keep defenses honest on, on William Powell. And I think that's maybe what you're going to see more of this year. You know, let's let's face it, defenses last year, you know, outside of a, a couple of times, were able to maybe just, you know, anticipate the pass a little bit more than, than the riders would have. I think I remember looking at Derek Taylor's uh, – uh, pre-game like uh, spotting chart before the game and it showed that the riders were definitely a pass heavy team last year so it, it, it'll be interesting to see the wrinkles that William Powell and the rest of the offensive line do bring in and and you are right Joel that you know despite the fact that it is a preseason game yes the riders were starting the number two guys yes Cody Fajardo looked looked good 
they still didn't score. No. Anything. And it was a funny thing that happened after the game. So Daryl Davis of Three Down Nation, but also of the Green Zone, tweeted out, uh, we're looking for something remarkable that happened in that game. And I was like, well, that shank kicked by uh, Bernard Briere was actually pretty remarkable. (laughs) I'm I'm just going to say this about that kick, and I'm not trying to bang on the guy or anything like that, because he is very good at what he does compared to what any of us are capable of doing. Yes. There are some really bad plays that happen on professional football fields that I know I cannot even come close to executing to that level. I think I could shank a kick that badly. <laughs> That's one thing I think I could probably do on a professional football field is shank a kick that badly. <laughs> There's a lot of other bad plays. I don't think I'd be confident of even executing at that level. A kick that badly I think I could probably accomplish. No, I would uh, I would definitely <laughs> agree with you on that. Like, There's... The way that that thing was just outright shanked and it was ugly and and I I assume embarrassing for for everybody involved. Had, now, had see, they gone on to I win did, the game, that would have been just one of those moments that they would watch on film and laugh. But considering the score, maybe not so much. But yeah, had they managed to win the game, or it would have been fine from then on. I think there would have been some chuckles over it in the locker room after the game. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, speaking, I, I know myself, I was uh, I was a little preoccupied with that work thing on Thursday, so I didn't get a great chance to watch a whole ton of it. But just as a total aside, you know, I mean, something I think you and I uh, plan to discuss is I, I had a chance to listen to a good chunk of the first call with with Derek Taylor and and uh, and Luke Mullinder. And I thought they were top notch, man. And, and like I'm a big I've always been a big Rod Peterson fan. But it just sounded to me like there was more cohesiveness in the booth between Derek and Luke. And I think that goes a long way. And I thought, you know, I know a lot of people are going to be listening to games on CKRM. And a lot of people are going to be listening to what he sounds like. But, man, I would say early reviews, Derek Taylor was was great. I mean, he sounded so smooth and and natural and just, you know, he's so well-researched. And Luke Mullinder was a great compliment to him. So big kudos from us to the uh, new writer broadcast crew, at least in the first game. Yeah, I uh, I was at home watching the game, so I didn't uh, catch any of the radio broadcast. But I I assumed I just assumed Derek would knock it out of the park because that's what he does at pretty much everything he does in broadcasting. So really, well, and, uh, well certainly, and, I think, and, and a lot more people will find out this week uh, with the game against Winnipeg that uh, will not be televised, and I assume the riders won't be streaming it for football ops paranoia reasons. <laughs> unlike unlike, and again, big tip of the hat there to the bombers that actually were like, hey we have the ability to do this and we have a radio broadcast crew. So why don't we just do it? So <laughs> welcome to the uh, 21st century Winnipeg. Uh, glad to see you're doing that. Uh, Saskatchewan, please, please, please follow suit. I mean, well, it's, it's going to the be... writers did stream a preseason game in a, a number of years ago. I remember it was, I believe it was Dan Plaster and Luke Mullinder that did that game. Like they had, they didn't do the radio. It wasn't Rod and Carm. It was, they did their own thing. With, and I believe they streamed that game once. I don't remember what year that was. I might have been 12 or 13. They, they did. You're, you're absolutely right. And it was Dan Plaster and Luke Mullinder. That was in um, Carm Carteris. It was his last year of doing the play-by-play. I, I, I remember that because I, I was thinking, hey, well, this is this is different and interesting. But And I, I can't imagine that, that the riders – the only reason that they would say not only football ops paranoia, but they'd say, well, maybe people won't come to the game. Listen. I got the long-range forecast in front of me right now. It's probably going to be sunny. It's going to be someplace between 18 and 25 degrees. Go to the damn football game. Like, yeah, like if, I can understand. Like, 
I don't know if any. I don't think anyone stays home to watch a stream per se. No, I think a stream to me is designed for a guy like me that works until nine o'clock on a, uh, or I guess it was Friday. Sorry, I was doing month end paperwork, but you know, streams are designed for guys like me that are at work or on the road or whatever, and just oh. Now the rider game's on. I, I want to digest this in some way, right? You're right. Nobody's going to stay home and, and, and watch a stream, but give people the option that if they are at home or at their office or whatever, or go ahead to, to watch it. It never hurts to have more eyes on the football team. I mean, who knows? You could always have a preseason game where a guy like Corey Sheets comes out of nowhere, and next thing you know, you go, huh, that guy's going to be good. And you get to brag to all your friends for years that – once you had a good football observation once in your life, you know? Exactly. Then I don't know who would ever do such a thing. But, uh, you know. No, 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 no. Just, <laughs> and, 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 and keep that carrying across like two different podcasts is his only claim to fame the time he's ever actually been right. That and a weird obsession with a punter. Uh, kicker? Kicker, punter. Which, which is actually funny. Um, as an aside, speaking of Sergio, uh, watching the Premier Lacrosse League today, you know, me, big lacrosse guy, uh, happy to see, you know, lacrosse on TV. That made my day. Uh, and I've decided to cheer for the Redwoods Club. Naturally, none of these teams have cities. It's a new model. The um, Redwoods. So, exactly. So I went to Redwoods. One of their best players, guess what his first name is? Sergio. Sergio. I guess it was It was just meant to be, I guess, then. Just destiny. Just destiny. So I was thinking Are you also a fan of Sergio Garcia now just by, like, default? I've always actually um, this dates way back. I remember when I was a young man golfing, I had an Adidas shirt that looked the same as Sergio's, and I'd call it my Sergio shirt. So yes, Sergio. I'm surprised now you haven't named one of your kids Sergio. That you know what, Lacey has shot it down on both <laughs> occasions. But if we have a maybe, third, maybe you can get a dog and name Sergio or something. Oh, that's a better idea. That's I feel like that's a way easier <laughs> debate to win. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I feel that's it. We get it. We're, we're gonna we're gonna move into a new house, and and we're gonna have room for a puppy. We're gonna get a puppy. It has to be named Sergio. One hundred percent. If you don't do that, then I say don't bother getting a dog. That's that's fair. That's that. It's Sergio or no dog. I I feel like I need to go tell Lacey this, but she's putting my youngest to bed right now. So God, you don't want to get in the middle of that. I think it's no, no, no. Yeah, we're not touching that one with a 10-foot pole. What we will touch with the 10-foot pole, though, was uh, the defense in that game. And, you know, yeah, okay, they got carved by Bo Levi Mitchell, but as we talked about, they're the, set, the twos and threes, fours, some guys that are going to get cut. Like, there's... it's just, We expect the defense to be good, and I think the overwhelming feeling from that game was still, yeah, the defense will be fine. They just essentially played no one in that game. And Calgary played spot started some of their starters, and they had guys in and out, and it was on the road. Defense, looked, yeah. The defense pretty much looked like what you expected it to look like. Frankly, I think. Yeah, yeah. The Rider D is going to be fine unless every position loses their starting player, which probably applies to be... every team in the history of football. So, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I think and I think you summed it up best. You had you, kind of your quick notes on that preseason game, and it was Bo Levi Mitchell is better than the Riders' backups. Noted. I had basically That's... just stole my own tweet and wrote it back in there. So <laughs> it, it, Exactly. But, I mean, it, it's right. I'm not – this is a game that, yeah, they gave up a lot of points that I don't think there's any reason to even really – 
uh, is there even a reason to discuss what I mean? They played nobody. Yeah, and the the only thing of like, I put it in the in the piece as well of little bit of interest is with uh, the changing at defensive end and AC Leonard kind of the heir apparent to replace Willie Jefferson in that spot. There's been some discussion potentially about a guy like here who was here last year in Chad Jeter taking a big step forward and maybe taking a run at that spot and. That's the only thing where it's like a guy like him where he was playing in that game, you'd expect that maybe he would have showed something, but he didn't. Yeah. And, and that's not to say that he's not going to get there. It's just if if he showed something, you're like, okay, there there might really be something here. Now he's just kind of in with everyone else because I'm, I'm not faulting him for having a bad game because he had no support. But even if he just had one rush where you're like, okay, yeah, if he gets some support, this guy can get open and get there. Now you're like... I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's just a special teamer still. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's it's. Uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, but it's it's so tough to say when you don't oh, no. start yeah. anybody. It's 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 almost. And I guess this is why football coaches are paid all the big money, right? And they, you know, we're they're paid professionals. Nothing, that, you know, <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, we are paid in beer that is eventually coming to me. Um, I, I I think that's the thing. You just kind of go, well, huh. So uh, I saw nothing there. I don't know how you evaluate with all backups playing against mostly backups, but obviously they do. They see something. Yeah, you're the, right. The, the, they look at the schemes. They look at how you know the alignments and you know the offside. You know more like there was the, the goal line play where someone in the middle of the, of the defensive line was like practically on the ball when it was snapped. You know, there's little things like that. Looking, make sure you're in the right spots more kind of thing rather than did you make the play or not, <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think maybe that'll be Jeter's situation that, you know, he's get, he's getting more games under the belt. But, you know, it's hard hard to learn, hard to evaluate. And the non-televised next game will be even harder for me to find something to talk about. <laughs> yeah, well, it, might, it may or may not be. Depends how it goes. Depends what happens. But, uh I think, again, going into this next one against the Bombers on Thursday, the big question will be, well, what's the offense going to look like? Because we assume Zach Caleros is going to play for a bit. I would even say, if he, depending on how he looks, I would probably give him a half with the starters. Mm-hmm. Get really try and you know show something there. I think not only I think that it's not even for the fans' perspective. You know, I because I don't think the I don't think the team should ever get cut off in how the fans are feeling about what's going on, right? But just from I think internally, because the players, as much as they say they don't listen to all this all the noise on the outside, they do. They look up they look up their names on Twitter and on social media all the time. They're looking. They know what people are saying about them. Yeah, and they know what people no. are saying about the offense and the whole thing. So just for the internal confidence of the offensive unit to have something to say, to hang on to, to say, okay, we did this, this, and this well today. Let's go. Let's get ready for next week. Well, and I, I think you mentioned it too when we were talking about uh, the, the different philosophies in what the Riders played and what Calgary played. And you're right. You shouldn't let the fans make the decision or you shouldn't let the fans impact your decision. But on the same note, you know, they're the guys spending their hard-earned money to go out and watch the game. You know, you kind of do owe them at least, you know, I'm not saying you owe it to them to make sure your starters play an unnecessary amount of time. But if you're going to be evaluating the way your starting units look, yeah, do it at home. Give, you're right. Give the fans something positive to feel good on, hopefully. And, and, and you're right. Give the player something, hopefully, to, to feel positive on as well. So 
it'll be uh, I, I think we will see more. But you're right. I think the microscope is going to be hell if I'm Stephen McAdoo. Just to shut everybody up, I think the first play from scrimmage, I just like when I'm playing Madden, just Hail Mary, go deep. <laughs> well, the problem is I don't know if Zach Caleros has the arm for that <laughs> anymore. Hook and ladder it to somebody then. <sighs> yeah. I, I just mean, like, like 40 yards up the field and then just hook and ladder it and do something really, you know, really out there and just get everybody to at least, you know, relax a little bit. That would that would definitely be quite the scene. It would get uh, a lot of people talking in a, around the stadium if something like that were to happen uh, right off the bat. Uh, we'll be interesting to see how many more defensive players are going on into that game. And uh, one guy that hasn't really, you know, we talked about him a lot when he signed and was made a big deal of, and has kind of been missing camp for a variety of reasons so far is Solomon Elamimian. So. I- do you, and it, is there something going weird. on here? Like it feels, it feels a little off. Like I personally, I don't think Saul's one of those guys that needs a whole lot of camp time. He doesn't. He's been around this league long enough. He knows his role within a defense. Are they giving him a little bit more time off? A little bit more rest? Maybe I don't know. Is he probably just a little nicked up? And if this was a real game, would he be out there? Maybe. I I I, I don't know, man. I, I, it's just it seems like a really strange situation that one of your prized off-season acquisitions is gone for basically a week to explain the new CBA from, you know, team to team, right? It's just, it seems like... Well, they do have him listed as having an injury now on the Daily Report. Right. Now he, like, did he, he get an injury getting off the plane after, you know, like... Did he did he kick a did he kick a trash can or something over CBA stuff? I I don't know. I mean, he's listed as a calf injury, which is also the mysterious injury that Kevin Durant is dealing with right now. So that, that's well, Kevin, is Kevin that the new Durant. code word? I mean, is that the new code word for recovering something? I don't know. Yeah, I, it, 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 it might be. It just it just seems it seems really weird to me that that you wouldn't at least. And I get it. He is a veteran guy, but it is a new system and it's a new system for a new defensive coordinator for a new guy coming over he has the talent and is obviously a bright guy i mean if he's on cfl's negotiating committee you know you'd have to think he's got you know he's he's smarter than the average bear but you still have to think this guy's got to take some time to to learn and learn his new teammates and their tendencies and things like that it just it, it, it strikes me as odd that Oh yeah, he's gone for a week, and oh yeah, now he's got a calf injury. Like, is he not healthy? Like, is this is this as you alluded to the Kevin Durant situation that he's hurt worse than everybody's letting on just to not create some sort of panic? It's yeah, it's 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 a strange situation, and I know I'm usually the one that is going through a Costco thing of tinfoil every couple of episodes on this with my tinfoil hat prediction. They thank you just, for your support. Uh, uh, yes, yes, uh, I'm sure Costco <laughs> thanks me for up. Hey, you should have saw how much I got back in a Costco coupon this year. I supported the hell out of Costco this year. Um, yeah, need, needless to say, I do think there might be something going on there. Maybe contemplating retirement? Scary word for Ryder fans? Like, I just, that's a reach. Just, I think that's a reach. It, I know it's. He I did appear at the green and white game, so I mean, he was there that day. I know it's a reach. I'll be the first to admit it's a reach. 
but it just seems it just seems odd. I mean, we're all still amazed by the fact that Johnny Menzel led the Hamilton Ticats to the Great Cup last year. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna finish I'm gonna, I'm gonna finish my beer now and just continue. Let's let's I you know what you know what it is, Joel? That was such a bad take that I just need to come up with a new spectacularly bad take that we can all forget my other spectacularly bad take about Johnny Menzel. Okay, so here here's a take I've kind of been mulling over and I know I'm not usually the hot take guy on this thing, but every once in a while I have one and we're gonna go back. I should have brought this up while we were talking about him, but Oh, oh it doesn't matter, I'm ready. <clears throat> is there a possibility you think that Cody Fajardo could push Zach Caleros. Yes. Because and it's, it's, it's strange to me that it was a year ago we were talking about the lame alleged quarterback competition between Brandon Bridge and Zach Caleros. And there was yeah. there was never anything there. And this year, Craig Dickinson named... Craig Dickinson and Jeremy O'Day named Zach Caleros a starting quarterback like six months ago. Yes. And now I'm like, is maybe, could there possibly be some kind of competition here? See, see, I, I, I don't know. I still think that... I'm not, I'm not, they, I don't think, like, it's not going to be, like, week one, Cody Fajardo is going to be the starting quarterback. But... N- no, you're bang on with that, Joel. But I but I think Cody Fajardo knows his opportunity is, is going to come. Mm-hmm. And maybe a lot of the... And, and you said it. He doesn't have that deep arm anymore. No. Maybe that's why the defense or the offense only seems to play within, you know, a 20-yard thing like their me at flag football. Like, yeah. I think you're on to something. Like, I, I, I'm I not saying it's going to happen, but I would not be stunned if maybe Fajardo is a little bit better than we're all giving him credit for because he had, you know, who hasn't struggled as a quarterback in Toronto besides Ricky Ray recently. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Is there? I'm not. I'm not, I'm not saying he's going to go on to be an elite quarterback or anything like that. He just might be. He just might end up being when all is said and done, potentially the better quarterback on this team when this season wraps up. Well, and I mean, you said it. He throws a good ball, and uh, you'd have to imagine. He that, seemed that confident he... in what they're doing, and maybe Jeremy O'Day was onto something when they signed this guy, and they looked at some of his film and thought, "This guy fits our system." Yeah, kind of like in the way Jeremiah Masoli fit with June Jones. We'll see how it works with uh, the new the new regime there, but maybe not quite to that level where we're talking about Cody Fajardo as an MOP candidate by any stretch of the imagination. But yeah, could he be a guy that fits this system better than anyone else on this roster? Maybe. Well, and I and I think too there is one thing that is always going to happen in Saskatchewan. You're always going to have. You know, everybody's always going to want the backup quarterback. He might be the most popular oh, yeah. player in Saskatchewan at all times, right? Yeah. Now, I think Cody Fajardo is going to have ample opportunity at some point this season. Uh, and again, I think it's injury-based. Mm-hmm. Like, history history shows us that Caleros at some stretch this year is going to miss games. Yeah. He's going to miss one to four games. And at least, yeah. And if, if the offense is meddling, even if they're winning games and the offense is meddling... And Fajardo comes out in, in, in that historic time where Zach Caleros is out. I, I, I think maybe then, maybe that's his time to shine. And, and, he's just in, and maybe that's what he's waiting for, right? Maybe he knows, okay, this is not going to be my job to come in and steal. But they're high on him. I know they're high on Zach Caleros too. I know our boy Derek Taylor is, is also high on him as on Zach Caleros as well. But... I think you're onto something. 
I really do, Joel. Now, um, if he comes out in his first start and, you know, throws up like a two for 20 clunker and the, and the riders lose by 74, um, I will yeah. never let you yeah. love it down. But, no, that's entirely fair. Know, and it's there, not, there it's are... not, it's not as quite of an extreme of an idea as Johnny Menzel leading the Hamilton Tiger Cats to the Grey Cup or, when or, he didn't or, even, or, when, he, when he didn't even make the playoffs or finish with that team. <laughs> or Solomon Elamimi and contemplating retirement. Let's 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 push that. So I should probably put some money down on him being the defensive most outstanding player. Oh yeah, he's going to win MOP <laughs> just because I've said it now. <laughs> but you bring up the point of the backup quarterback being like the favorite player in Saskatchewan every year, and it's true. Yeah, and I think you know I think I'm, you know this is not a hot take at all. I think we might. This is probably the biggest week of David Watford's career. After looking yeah. the same as, at least, at the very least, the same as Isaac Hacker in that game. And Isaac Hacker's a raw rookie. David Wofford's had a year under him. Yeah. Um, but I think, overall, I think Hacker looked better. He looked, you know, he, the numbers are about the same, but he looked more confident. His throws looked better. He looked more comfortable in the pocket. All that, you know, quarterback stuff, not just athlete stuff. Yeah. And, so, and you're right. And so I if he's was... gone... I think it's safe to say that this could be David Wofford's last week in Saskatchewan. There is another quarterback on the market that Saskatchewan loves for a lot of reasons. Noah Picton was released. Do the Riders go barking up that tree? Craig Dickinson said today no, but should they? He does count towards the ratio. If he's, is, it, is it the full ratio or is it only if he starts? I don't know if we got clarification I, I, on that yet. Um, I think if it's the full ratio... I think maybe you, maybe you give the guy... I mean, I know Daniel O'Brien just became available today, too. Speaking of veteran career CFL backups, but... Uh, Daniel O'Brien, yeah. Not professional wrestler. Daniel O'Brien. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. 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 Um, I, 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 I think that... Uh, I... Th- if you do it, you have to make it more than... A, you have to believe it's more than a goodwill gesture. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think there is, if he does count towards the full ratio and you believe his skills are equivalent to every other third string quarterback in the market, you bring him in because he does give you an advantage in, in terms of the ratio. It's one guy you're dressing uh, for the whole, you know, for the whole, for the whole team. But if there are other better options out there and you truly believe there are better options out there, then, then go out and get that. Because again... Well, I think they would they believe the better options are already in house because that's what Dickinson basically said was we already have five quarterbacks we don't need another. No, it, it, exactly. And then I, you almost wonder Noah Picton, and you really want to see a U sports a U sports quarterback come out and and eventually you know make a name for himself in this league. I just I, I don't think well, I, I, Toronto probably has the other guy that's going to do that. Oh God, yeah, by by a million miles. I mean, that was a guy that was committed. He was committed to Boise State of the NCAA and went back to UBC because of reasons that I know that I probably can't disclose. Oh hell, I'll just say it. They friggin' paid him. That's what happened. They paid him, and it's against all the rules. But they paid him, and that's how they bought themselves a Vanier Cup. Okay, rant over. Um, Noah Picton, although one of the, if not the best, U sports quarterback of all time by the numbers. Uh, isn't your typical quarterback, you know, that, that unfortunately teams are, are looking for these days. Let's face it, I mean, they would have made Doug Flutie, a, Doug Flutie himself a punter these days, right? Like, yeah. it's just everybody's got this, you know, mindset. Uh, it's the same with goaltenders and quarterbacks that, okay, no, you got to be six foot two and uh, you got to be lean and you got to throw in the ball, right? Um, 
Noah Picton is a little undersized, and I, I, I unfortunately I think that might be a holdback for him. And hell, maybe he goes, maybe he signs on a practice roster someplace and says, "I'll give receiver a try." Uh, he's pretty we'll small there. He's pretty small there too, though. Well, there, <laughs> therein lies the problem, right? Yeah, so, I, I just, I just, I just don't see it. I, you know, as much as we, we all, you know, Noah's a stand-up guy. He speaks with passion. He, every time he talks, it's great. It seems like a really great dude, and we would all love for him to succeed. I just, I, I really want him to. And we, he only got one attempt with the Argos. I just, I don't see it. I think this is unfortunately, unless he can go to the, you know, go to Mexico or Germany or something. I think this is. And maybe this is one of those scenarios where CFL 2.0 can pay off the other way and they can get him some reps somewhere else and he can prove it and come back. Maybe that's the route that he can take. Maybe. If this is really going to be a thing that happens, then I think it has to be a two-way street. And I think Noah Picton seems like the perfect opportunity guy to say, okay, why don't you go play in Germany for a year and prove that you can do it? Or whatever the the best league outside of the uh, CFL and the NFL is. That's professional. Go play there. Not accounting, not including arena football because that's just a weird thing. But like an actual football field, football. Go play there for a year and then come back. And then I think someone will take you seriously. Yeah, anywhere Jared Lorenzen can be a star is definitely not a real football league. You know, the old hefty lefty. So <laughs> I, I, I'm with you with the, the two way workings of CFL 2.0. And the thing is, too, I, I guess if you're Noah Picton, and, and now the thought of going to Germany or the Mexican league. You're probably thinking to yourself, what the hell am I doing? Nobody knows I'm here. You know, you're right. With CFL 2.0, now I think if you have the opportunity to go to Germany or Mexico, they know who you are. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how it'll work as a two-way street. I, I think it's a, I, I think it might work out for some of those bubble guys, especially young Canadians that, that aren't really given a, a fair shake for reason X, Y, Z. Um, yeah, give him a shot to go. I would love to see him take a crack in, in Mexico. I know. There we go. There, There's the idea. He gets the crack in Mexico. We go to cover the game <laughs> on three down nations dime. Stay at a, you know, we can even stay at like a two-star resort. But, you know, just sit there and try Mexican beer and podcast live from Noah Picton's debut in the Mexican League. Sergio can be our guest commentator. <laughs> The kicker or your dog? <laughs> All of them. <laughs> uh, boy. Speaking of trips, uh, this is going to be uh, my last episode of uh, the Greencast for a few weeks. As uh, my wife and I are off on our uh, honeymoon starting a little bit here. Uh, we got a wedding in Toronto to go to first. But then uh, we're off to Ireland for a couple of weeks and then another wedding in Nova Scotia before getting back to Regina. So um, I'll be checking out the game on Thursday and then we fly out and then I'm gone until July 1st. Which means um, I am, for some reason, I have decided rather than to put us on hiatus, I have decided to uh, hand the keys over to my uh, co host, John Fraser, and. Uh, he is going to try to scrounge up some guests to uh, make this show sound competent and uh, kind of fill the void until uh, I get back. Oh, we're f- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, But seriously, I'll find some guests. Hopefully. Because I'm not good at this hosting thing.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.